What's up, guys? Welcome. Coming to you live from Los Angeles, California. Your host, David Chandra. Hope you're all doing well and staying safe. We have a brand new guest on today, a brand new episode for us. She's coming to us live from Cleveland, Ohio. So, Asha, introduce yourself to the listeners. All right. Thanks, David. I'm Asha. Um, I currently am working in the healthcare field during this whole pandemic. I work for a mental health facility in Beachwood, Ohio, called Community Behavioral Health Center. Uh, my background, I have my bachelor's from the University of Cincinnati and just graduated with my master's from Case Western Reserve University. And uh, it was a bit of a, a non-traditional graduation <laughs> ceremony, but yeah. it's all right. We got here. Yeah. Um, and the good part is I'm starting my doctorate at Drexel University this coming fall. So hopefully in a few years, I will have an actual graduation ceremony and we can tie it all up. Yeah, well, double congrats on finishing up at Case Western and getting into Drexel. It's in Philadelphia, am I right? Yeah, it's in Philadelphia. Um, oh. I'm actually doing it kind of non-traditional way. I'm doing okay. most of my coursework online so I can continue working my full-time job. So you're going to kind of worked Cleveland? out really well now that everything is online, so it's okay. True. So are you staying in Cleveland then, or are you you have to move to Philly, Philly still? I'm going to stay in Cleveland, and I'll have to go to Philadelphia every now and then just to kind of check in, but I don't have to be there full time. Oh, okay. That's not too bad. So you can you can still stick around uh, Case and enjoy Cle the Cleveland area pretty much then. I mean, yeah, <laughs> as much as one can enjoy Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, the funny thing is I'm actually going to be in Philly uh, starting June 1st. So if you're ever down there, I don't know when you start your program, but let me know. September. So oh, it's, it's, yeah, a, little so it's a, little, a little bit later. Okay. Well, let's get to it. Um, I know you're in the healthcare field. I know you've been working. How long have you been working for in your in the current job that you're working in? So I've actually been at my current position for a little over a year. Okay. Um, and prior to that, I worked at a different facility for about a year, also in Cleveland. Okay. So what what is your job description? So what exactly do you do on a daily routine? And tell us a little bit about why you got into that field. So kind of what I like is there is no daily routine. Okay. Um, my By title, I'm an administrative associate helping out with the just daily tasks that are involved in running a healthcare facility, the finances, scheduling, making sure that employees are paid, documenting, you know, incidents, a number of things. Um, and now that this pandemic has occurred, um, we have very skeletal staff in the office right now, so it's really myself and a couple other individuals holding down the fort, um, which has been stressful at times, but also an amazing learning experience, just learning how, how to run a healthcare business um, during a pandemic. Yeah. And I kind of feel like after that, you can almost do anything in yeah, the field. Definitely. I mean, it's unexpected, but definitely a good learning experience for those of us who are young, you know, because we've never seen that. And being put into that situation early helps us to learn on the fly and learn under duress or under stress, like you said. So tell me a little bit about why you got into that field that you wanted to do. Did it kind of start when you were an undergrad or did you always want to be in that? Tell us a little bit about that experience. Um, it definitely started in undergrad. I actually studied health communications, which is a really weird thing to be into, but it's yeah. essentially focused um, on everything that's behind the the medical personnel. So how 
the interactions between physicians and their patients happen, how communication with patients from the industry is. Yeah. Um, and I really just became very familiar with the fact that there are a lot of gaps in healthcare, which I feel like is obviously very evident now. Yeah, with this um, pandemic but, and everything. Um, and now all those issues are really bring, being brought to light. So I felt like I had to find a way to be part of the solution, to get into the field and work um, on different you know, administrative and policy features that can eventually set a precedent that will address all of these issues and make healthcare more accessible and more feasible for a lot of people. Definitely, you know, and it's uh, that's awesome that you chose to go into that field and you still get to work in the healthcare uh, realm, but you're working as a backbone almost, you know, kind of helping a doctor or helping a patient and you're the one who's the middleman between the two. You know, a lot of us always think of the doctor being the one and only or, you know, that person is doing everything, but no, there's so many other people in between that are setting up the scheduling, setting up uh, the patients who come to the doctor and facilitating everything in between. So that's, you know, and we see that in clinics and we see that in hospitals too, because it's very crucial that if we don't have people uh, like you, you know, the hospital or the clinic is not run efficiently or properly. So tell us a little bit about how this whole COVID situation has affected your line of work and what you've been doing. I know you mentioned it's put you guys under a lot of stress and not many people are in the clinic working right now, but you're one of them who's working. So tell us a little bit about how your clinic specifically and what you've been learning has been affected through this whole pandemic situation. So one of the the biggest things obviously is we highly, highly reduced how many staff members are in the office. Yeah. Um, all of our clinical staff, um, you know, psychiatrists, therapists, social workers, everybody was moved to working remotely um, for the safety of patients, for the safety of staff. And obviously that meant very quickly shifting the way we run our clinic to yeah. a virtual platform that mm -hmm. did not exist prior to. Um, and I think with mental health, um, obviously, telepsych exists, and a lot may think that it is one of the easier forms of medicine to to kind of switch over um, to to telemed. But it's actually very difficult, um, depending on the population you work with, and yeah. also just the fact that mental health gains a lot. Um, you gain a lot by being there in person and seeing somebody physically and being able to read their emotions yeah. when they're right there in front of you. For sure. Um, so making that switch. And having to address that with patients and having to adapt all of the providers, many, you know, you're dealing with a wide range of people with a wide range of skills, yeah. generational gaps. It, yeah. it was really a, a process. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of personalities that you have to work with and deal with and kind of put together in one situation. So tell me what got you actually, before we get into the whole telemedicine, telehealth and how that's affected your clinic and you know, clinics as a whole around the country. Tell us a little bit about what got you into going down the psychology route of medicine, because, you know, a lot of people can't do things like that. So why is it that you chose that and what kind of interested you? I have always had a passion for mental health. Um, I actually began my undergrad career as a psychology major. Okay. Um, and kind of quickly realized that it wasn't quite the route for me as a practitioner. Yeah. Um, but I did work part-time for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, okay. also made famous by that Low and Logic song, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, and it really, 
you know, mental health has affected, you know, my life personally, a lot of those around me, and it is a very stigmatized, often overlooked sector of healthcare. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times people want to throw their funding and throw their energy into the more tangible, more physical side yeah. of medicine mm-hmm. when it is just important to, to pay attention to people's behavioral and mental health. Which again is one of those things that's being being emphasized now with people experiencing experiencing trauma, experiencing grief, anxiety, loneliness, yeah. and all of the you know mental health is now becoming more important to to everybody because of these hard times. For sure, yeah. I mean, I'm sure depression is one of the biggest things that people are probably going through with losing jobs and with losing loved ones. You you know, it's a lot of different things that are going on right now. So mental health is crucial, and it becomes enlightened in situations like this, even though, you know, at times it gets put to the side when everything is normal and everything is good. And it's kind of what I was referring to in previous episodes and my recap episodes as well, too, that, you know, a lot of these different specialties within medicine are crucial and times such as this bring out some specialties more than others, but we need to realize that equality should exist in the specialties, no matter what the situation is, whether it's whether it's good times or whether it's bad times. So kind of going back to how all this COVID situation has affected your clinic, tell me things you've learned that are good through telemedicine and telehealth. And because that has become the norm a little bit for this period of time, tell me a little bit about the positives that have come out of it or positives that you've seen through this whole situation. So I definitely think that telemedicine is a really amazing way to break down the a lot of the barriers that prevent people from accessing healthcare, um, a lot of the times, um, especially where I work in community mental health, you're focusing on minorities and lower socio- socioeconomic um, groups of people, where transportation is an issue, or childcare is an issue, or you know you're working funky hours, yeah, um, and. All of those things, those shouldn't necessarily prevent someone from accessing the care they need. Mm -hmm. So this has been really great because, you know, you don't have to go anywhere. You pull up your laptop or your phone. You sit at home. You don't have to organize a babysitter for your child. Yeah. Um, We're seeing a a really severe drop in no-shows, essentially, people who just, you know, don't show up for their appointment um, unannounced. Yeah. um, Which has been, been really awesome. Definitely. No, that's good. I mean, that's one of the biggest things. And I think you were mentioning to me before offset about how, you know, even people who don't have internet, that could be a problem to them. So how are you have, how have you dealt with people who don't have the access to such, uh, you know, like the internet or a computer or a laptop or a phone? How do you, guys reach out to those people i'm this is just me kind of thinking about both sides of it you know it's definitely a positive thing like you mentioned but at the same time it could be negative for those who kind of don't have access to such technology that but still need the help that they need so tell me a little bit about that aspect and how you guys as a clinic have been dealing with that Right. It's it's so hard for you and I to think about existing without the internet yeah, yeah. or our smartphones. But kind of the the unfortunate reality is I think about ten percent of Americans actually don't have internet access, which sounds small, but that's like thirty three million people. So yeah, that is a, a lot, lot of folks yeah. that don't have internet access. Yeah. Um and that means we've had to get creative. Yeah. Um 
So we have had the option for patients to come into the clinic and use one of the empty offices and use one of the computers here. Mm-hmm. They'll just sit there and they will um, talk use to the you guys. system yeah. and talk to their clinician who is at home or wherever they might be, yeah. um, not in the office. Um, so that's been something we're offering. We're also um, really encouraging a lot of people um, to sign up for those free government phones. So the government, um, it's called an Obama phone, but <laughs> that's really the more colloquial term. Yeah, yeah. Um, where if you are on any any government assistance, if that's Medicaid, food stamps, etc., um, you have the ability to apply um, and get a free uh, smartphone from the smartphone from the government with a free plan that includes, you know, X number of minutes, some data plan, and a and a limited number of texts that resets every month. Um, so a lot of our case managers and social workers have been able to assist patients in getting those, um, so they can continue their care. For sure, definitely. And so there's there, there's still a means to reach out to people who don't have access to that technology that, you know, this telemedicine and telehealth require. So tell me from your perspective, I guess, do you think the benefits outweigh the negatives of this whole telehealth telemedicine thing? Or would you think that, you know, we still need the face-to-face interaction because it kind of limits us sometimes in accessing or reaching people that might not be able to come in and might not be able to, you know, do the whole technology aspect of it. What do you think personally from your perspective of seeing things and working in the administration? So it can, it can really go a couple of ways. I think that for certain types of appointments, it's very beneficial. So for example, if you're coming in for just a routine med check, there's absolutely no reason for you to have to transport yourself for what is essentially going to be like a five to 10 minute appointment. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think in that, for those appointments, the benefits far outweigh any of the, of the cons um, because it's, it's saving time, it's saving energy, it's saving resources. Um, But I am seeing um, a lot of people either they're not comfortable with, with the telemed um, they're concerned about privacy. And again, especially in mental health, if you're living in a one-bedroom apartment with your spouse or your child and you're trying to have a therapy appointment, yeah. it can be very difficult to talk about the things you need to talk about. Definitely. Um, um, and if you, you know, the daycares are closed, if your kid is running around in the background and you're talking about very serious and emotional and personal, um, uh, you know, things, it's not always ideal. So. Um, for those types of appointments where there's a lot more to discuss, then obviously I would say this isn't the best form um, of, of care to receive. For sure. Um, yeah. I know that in like the physical medicine world, um, it works well in the same way. It works for like your PCP visits where you're yeah. just kind of getting checked up. But then if you need to like show something or get tested, then clearly this isn't the way to go. For sure. So, do you think it's something that will become a norm, like a, a normal thing in the healthcare world to do, do more telemed, telemedicine appointments? Or do you think it's still best for us to still continue the way we are continuing? We're just adapting in this short period of time because of this pandemic. But after this kind of clears up, hopefully it clears up soon. Do you think it's something that we should continue going down the way we've adapted? Or should we go back or revert back to what we've been doing before? Like, tell me a little bit about 
what this pandemic has really showed us about the healthcare field and maybe maybe some negatives that we've, you know, some things that were hidden, but now are kind of come to light because of this whole pandemic. So tell me a little bit about what you think should happen going forward, even after this pandemic kind of clears up and settles down. I think that we're definitely going to see an increase now that every facility, even those that didn't have telemed prior, they have had to very quickly mobilize and adapt it. So now that the the possibility is there, yeah. um, I think that it'll definitely be used. That being said, there's kind of, this might be a, a giant sidebar, but yeah. um, in the world of medical billing, yeah. um, your uh, tele, tele, telehealth appointments are either A, often not covered mm-hmm. by your private insurance, or B, if they are covered, they're reimbursed back to the healthcare facility at a much, much lower rate. Yeah. So the Department of Medicaid and many other private insurance companies have, in, in lieu of this pandemic, started reimbursing at a full rate yeah um but that is not necessarily going to stay yeah so from that business perspective it's not always fiscally ideal to maintain that high level of telemed appointments yeah um but from the patient perspective i can definitely see it being highly utilized if we keep it around yeah i definitely think it's beneficial for those quick visits or it's beneficial for if your babysitter falls through your ride can't take you to your appointment for sure like i can see it being extremely useful in that way definitely no i mean with everything comes pros and cons right like it's it's not always perfect it's not always ideal but we kind of have to see and prioritize what's most important to us. And in the world of medicine and healthcare, the number one priority is always the patient. But at the same time, when you're running a clinic or running a, you know, your own business, you kind of look at your finance and how much you're making out of every visit and every procedure that you do. So I, I definitely agree there's going to be changes that are going to come in the future for sure in lieu of this pandemic, like you said. But at the same time, you know, it's a mix and match of what we did in the past and kind of what we've adapted to now, which is, I think, going to be the normal when we go forward. And I think different specialties are going to have to cater to it differently. You know, like you said, mental health, it might be hard sometimes to be able to talk about personal things over, you know, over a conference call when you have family in the background. But let's say it's just a PCP checkup and you're just saying like, hey, doc, like everything is good. I'm, I'm well, you know. I'm just letting you know that this is what I've been doing. You know, it's fine. It's normal. And we don't have to worry about those type of situations. And that's a primary checkup. But do you think that is that this that this pandemic has affected specialties in different ways? Like for podiatry, for example, there's certain things that you can do in in the office that you can that you can do in office for like people who have like ulcers, who are like more high risk patients. But then there are going to be other patients who really don't need to be seen immediately. And you can talk to them over the conference call and be like, hey, just do this at home. Take care of this. Do this, this and this and you'll be fine. You know, but other specialties, you can't necessarily do such things. So tell me a little bit about how exactly it affects every specialty. If you can talk on that aspect of it and give us more enlightenment towards that. I mean, yeah, yeah. what you said is is exactly right. There's certain specialties that really rely on physically being with a patient. Um, I know this 
this joke was kind of going around the internet about like how gynecology is going to be done yeah. over over telemed without <laughs> that being a huge issue. Yeah. Um, so there's obviously specialties like that where it's just it's really difficult unless it's a routine just just like yeah, casual about, checkup. Yeah. You know, just trying to talk about a medication that you're already on. Yeah. Um, there have been a lot of a lot of regulations put in place though. Um, that you, you know, if you're prescribing a new medication, then that really shouldn't be done over telemed. Um, because, you know, for example, a lot of, uh, of psychiatric medications, they, they interact with a lot of other meds. So yeah, if you're not yeah. routinely checking this patient's, for example, blood pressure, yeah. you get, you can get into a lot of trouble. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think when it comes to, to people who require medications and prescribing it, you know, you just, you really, it's very difficult to do that. For sure. Um, over, yeah, but, um, you know, I think PCPs where you, dermatology, I know, is pretty, doing pretty easy. Yeah. Um, because it's, you know, you send photos of whatever's going on or you show your camera and that's been pretty simple to do. Yeah. Um, it really depends. It's, I don't even think it varies by specialty. It varies by what your, your Situ- problem yeah, is. The situation what are you trying is. to, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's something to look into, like physicians should look into it. And if it's something that suits their practice, I think it's definitely something that should be uh, used and utilized in their practice, because I think it's it increases efficiency at times, too, because a lot of times when you have so much patients, so many patients come to your clinic and you get backed up, you just don't get to see them at the pace you want to see them at. But, you know, when you can do a simple checkup over the phone or your laptop, it goes by like that. And then you can see a more high risk patient right next to you in your office, in the room and everything and give them the care that they need and require. So I think like, I think it's definitely something a healthcare provider should definitely look into as time goes on. And, you know, everything we go through as time changes, we change too, and we have to adapt to certain things that happen. So how would you say going forward, this whole thing has kind of affected you. What are some things that you being in the administration sector of the healthcare, what are you going to implement or what are you going to try to do to kind of better a clinic, like the way a clinic is run or the efficiency with what, with, with, with which a clinic should be run, you know, tell me a little bit about how it's kind of shaped you and how it's helped you think differently going in the future. So I think this has really um, brought to light different ways to to organize your clinic. Yeah. Um, so now that we can more or less categorize patients into, yeah, you're fine. You can definitely do a telemed appointment and, okay, you really need to come in and see a provider in person. Um, something that um, I've been batting around with my colleagues is just taking one – you know, hiring a provider that maybe solely works remotely. Yeah. Maybe just have that provider working solely remotely, part time, taking the very, um, the very simple cases, the short appointments, um, and that way you free up time for um, either higher skilled or you know providers who are more advanced in seeing high risk patients, and you know their their schedule isn't getting isn't getting bogged up. Um, with patients who really could have just used that time with somebody else. For sure. Um, 
for example, um, an LPN um, is a lower practicing nurse who's able to see a patient for routine med checkups. Yeah. That could very easily be done remotely. She can take care of your low-risk patients, therefore allowing a higher, um, whatever, a, a more advanced practicing nurse practitioner or psychiatrist to see those more complex cases. Yeah. So when you look at organizing a clinic and allowing um, for the most patients to be seen, thereby the most money to come in and the most productivity out of your out of your clinic clinical staff, sure. um, this is really a great way to to shape that. Um, you can and like I said, it's also lowering the no show rates. So yeah. it's you know, let's say we've got that chronic person who always schedules an appointment and always doesn't show up. Offering this is the great way to ensure that they show up for their appointment, making sure that they receive the best care, but also making sure that, you know, financially we would receive the money for that appointment. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, it definitely is a one of the few things that is win-win yeah. when looking at healthcare as a business and healthcare in, in that medical patient care sense. Yeah, yeah, no, that benefits both. That benefits the physician and it benefits the patient who's not showing up, you know, um, and giving them the care that they uh, so need. So this is my last question. So through all of this, you know, would telemedicine, telehealth put more pressure or put more responsibility on you guys as administration? Because you mentioned how earlier in your last answer, how that as a administration, you have to decide which patient would be categorized as what, you know, like be seen as what, you know, like, would you guys be the ones making that decision? Or would you think it would be more on the physician to decide whether that patient is like a high-risk patient, I need to see him in clinic, as opposed to, hey, I can see him over phone or whatever? It's definitely a, a combination, mostly relying on the clinician. So, you know, let's say you had an appointment yesterday, the psychiatrist gets back to me and says, or not necessarily myself, but maybe a receptionist and says, hey, you know what, just schedule her for a telemed appointment in two weeks, three weeks. Um, that's, you know, she she's going to be fine. We just put her on this med. That's what you should schedule her as. Yeah. So it's really going to be the opinion of the clinician, but then on to um, an administrative or a receptionist duty type person to physically schedule that person. And, um, you know, if that patient ends up calling the front desk and saying, hey, I'm having a lot of side effects, yeah. then that's when the decision would be made to reschedule and move around the schedule to make sure that they can get in in person. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, no, I think doing doing these things and adding new things into the field of health, into, into healthcare kind of, you know, increases the responsibility and increases the the need for everyone to be on the same page. You know, like we can't have a physician kind of working on their own and the administration working on their own, the nurses working on their own. I think it kind of brings people together. And I think for the most part, which from what I've seen, you know, this pandemic is bringing people together within the healthcare field to kind of help each other out in any way possible to kind of negate the effects of this pandemic, you know. And I think going forward, even after this settles down, it's very crucial that we continue to do that, continue to implement those features into our healthcare practices because it's going to go a long way into bettering uh, the uh, the care we provide for our patients in this country. And I think that's the most important thing that we as people within healthcare should always remember and, you know, remind ourselves of. 
So thanks, Asha, for coming on and you know sharing a little bit about your experiences and what you've kind of gone through this whole uh, COVID situation and how it's affected you and how you know you plan to implement different things going on in the future as well too. So thank you for the reminder that you've given us. It's been good. It's you know different to hear it from someone else's perspective than you know the ones who are taking care of the patient themselves. You know, um, so. Now I want to just get to know who you are and I want to get the listeners to know who you are. So tell me one thing or one show you've been watching in this whole uh, COVID-19 season that you've been binge watching. Well, I mean, obviously I binged watched Tiger King along with the rest of America, <laughs> but yeah. um, I recently have been binge watching Making the Cut on Amazon Prime. Okay. Um, which is a, a fashion competition show hosted by Tim Gunn and Heidi Klum, two beautifully wonderful people. Okay. If, I mean, you know, if you're not into fashion or reality competition shows, it might not be your cup of tea. Yeah. But I, I've been finding it really interesting. I get really into these competitive shows. For sure. Getting really attached to one person and making sure that they win. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely been been binging that a little bit. For sure. What's your favorite quarantine snack? Ooh. Uh, not, I don't know if I'm really big. I'm not a big snacker. Yeah. Um, but veggie sticks, I guess, veggie are sticks. usually my go-to. Okay. All right. Well, hope you guys listened to what Asha had to say to this entire episode. And We'll definitely get you back on here, Asha. I think we have a lot more to talk about and a lot more to discuss, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, this episode was too short for us to contain the knowledge that you had to give us, but thank you for coming on and sharing with us. So thank you guys for listening. See you guys all soon. Bye.